Please be seated. There is a tradition of the church that during the season of Lent, you do not say the A word. Do you know the A word? Some of you do. <laughs> Somebody just said it, but I think that we are gathered here again. We can say it and God will forgive us. So if you know it, shout it out. Alleluia. It is good to be together, friends. I want to take a poll about your daily habits, and I'm going to ask you to be super honest because you are in church, and you should be, and I will do it with you. So raise your hand if you're able, in general, if you aim to go to bed every night around the same time. Excellent. Raise your hand if when you go to the grocery market, you follow the same paths down the same aisles, selecting more or less the same foods. Excellent. Now raise your hand if you make room every day for a bit of exercise. This is a particularly fit part of the congregation. <laughs> raise your hand if the first thing you do when you wake up is grab your cell phone and look at your work email. We should not do that. And raise your hand if no matter what, every day you make your bed. That's the most mixed one of us all. 40% of our daily lives are rooted in habits, habits like that. They begin to take root by the age of nine, and for good or for bad, by the time we reach adulthood, we are creatures of habit. We wake and sleep in routine. We know the meals that we enjoy and when we want to eat them. We are set in the types of book genres we read, music we listen to, Netflix series that we watch. Our habits aren't formed regularly or randomly. There is something that triggers our behaviors and there are rewards or consequences that cause us to want to engage in those habits again. According to social scientists, this is called a classic habit loop. Repeat that after me, it's important. Classic habit loop. It begins with a cue, which is the trigger that tells your brain to go into an automatic autopilot mode and let a behavior unfold. It's, the cue is followed by a routine, and that is the behavior itself. And the third step is the reward, something that tells our brains or our bodies that we enjoy something and it helps kick off the same cue in the future, creating a classic habit loop. Are you with me? All right, here's an example. Let's say a certain associate minister has a very sweet tooth. And every night on his way home from work, <laughs> he feels particularly snackish. Now that's the cue. So he walks three blocks out of his way through the back bay to stop by his favorite bakery and buy a single chocolate frosted vanilla cupcake. That is the behavior. And the reward is how good that cupcake tastes day after day, even during Lent. <laughs> Cue, routine, reward, repeat. This is why habits are often so hard and near impossible to break. The reward will always drive the loop, 
And the only real hope in breaking the loop is if that loop is somehow totally disrupted, like the rewards removed. Two years ago, when COVID-19 barreled into our lives, our habit loops, all of them, were thrown into disarray. No longer could we stop by that same coffee shop on the way home from work or meet our friends for our weekly movie nights. No more soccer practice or dance recitals. No more commuting or weekly runs to the dry cleaners. Our routines and customs were disrupted and replaced by a new common habit loop that we all shared. The cue was the contagious nature of the virus. The routine was staying at home, and the reward was safety. All of our customs, habits, and routines had to change, and they changed daily. Do you remember quarantining your mail, and washing your groceries, and being told not to in any way touch your face? For good or for bad, we had a chance to rethink old habits and develop new ones. Some of us took more walks, spent more time with our family, saved money by eating less cupcakes. And for some of us, we drank too much. We slept in too late, and we went without moving our bodies for too long. COVID-19 left nothing in our lives undisturbed in its wake, and that includes the heartbeat of our life together, the reason we are so gathered, worship. For nearly two years, we tuned into worship from our couches, our living rooms. We wore our pajamas. We watched from our treadmills and our pelotons. We listened to sermons and prayers while we folded laundry and cleaned our kitchens. New habits that provide it proved relaxing, convenient, and even efficient. And across the religious world, experts wondered, we wondered, if this was the new way of worship, of gathering together. If online virtual church would replace the needs of a physically met congregation. And boy, did we pick up some amazing people by way of Paris and Michigan, Ohio and Texas. They are watching. You can wave to them right now by turning and looking at those cameras. But still, over time, the new habit loop did not stick for many of us and it began to deteriorate. And you told me why. The rewards were no longer there. Without the reward, the cue breaks down and the behavior ceases. So sure, with virtual worship, we could keep our slippers on and eat a late breakfast, catch up on sorting our mail. But the rewards we had come to depend on for so long, come to delight in, just weren't there. Rewards unmatched by anything else in the world beyond this place, rewards like singing together feasting on bread and cup, experiencing the joy and the holy chaos of children dashing up and down the steps, passing peace with those from different zip codes, with those with different skin colors, different ages and orientations, lighting candles 
rising, sitting, clapping, and moving. Without the rewards, gathering for worship so often brought us, the habit loop broke down and attending worship for many of us was no longer routine, habitual, or regular. Instead, it was infrequent, rare, and even extinct. And what's more, willpower, the source to push us back into routines and habits, that is in short supply. Now, willpower is not about strength or your want to do something. Instead, willpower, behavioral scientists say, it acts like fuel in a tank. There is only so much of it in each of us. And the more that we are forced to make hard decisions, change course, learn something new, the less willpower we have over time. And we did a lot of that in two years. So for a great many of us, we are out of the church-going habit. And there's little willpower to get back in it. And it's no one's fault. There should be no guilt. The past two years have been a hellish nightmare filled with twists and turns, daily decisions, daily disruptions. Yet now, as the world and the church begin to awaken to this new phase, whatever it is, of the virus, we are being invited to consider picking up the church-going habit again. And for all the reasons I've already outlined, it is easier said than done. Amen? It is a challenge to work this back into our lives, and so we need to ask the question, why even do it? If it's easier to stay home, to stay away on a Sunday morning, to have our Sunday mornings free, easier to not tap into that limited willpower, why pick up the church-going habit again? Well, first, this is an obvious one, God commands it. Throughout the Bible, God commands the people to worship, to gather, to sing, to pray, to baptize, to feast, God commands it. God does not ask, does not suggest, but commands. And why does God command us to do something that has become so hard to do? Because we were created for it. We were made for it. We are made better by it. We worship not for God's sake, but for our own. By gathering for worship, we rest and recharge away from the world just a bit to rehearse the ways in which we seek to live beyond these walls. And we gather together because the Christian faith is not a solo performance. You cannot do this alone. We are a relational people bound by promise, a covenant I heard you just make that we belong to one another. And in gathering for worship, we are reminded of that. And what's more, it feels good to be together. Amen? Amen. It feels good to sing with one another. Amen? Amen? By gathering for worship, by praying together, by singing together, we make real the assurance of God that we are not alone. But perhaps more than any other reason, we need this church-going habit 
because our God is worthy of our praise. The God who sang the universe into being, who fashions our bodies and fills our lungs with song, who opens doors and warms our chilled hearts, the God who sojourned with Moses and Miriam, Harriet and Martin, the God who will soon declare sin and death no more, defeated by love and life, that God, our God, deserves our highest praise. So get back in the church-going habit. When you're good and ready, when you feel it's safe for you to do so, challenge yourself, summon the energy, get back in the habit, not because our God depends on it, but because we do because it feels good, because the rewards are great, and because our God deserves it. Amen.